this morning. Amen? How many came to get a word from God? Those that are watching online, let's welcome them this morning. Let's give them a hand as they're watching. Thank them for being on uh, with us this morning. Jeremiah 29.11. I want to talk this morning about God is in control. Amen? How many believe God is in control? He says, for I know the thoughts that I think towards you. Now that ought to get us excited right there. We could just we could just say amen, come to the altar, pray and go home right there. That's enough. To think that God is thinking about us this morning. Isn't that awesome? He's thinking about you. And not only is God thinking about you, how many of ever like, God, where are you at? God, where are you at? Do you see me? Do you know my zip code? Do you know my address? Not only does he know your zip code and your address, the Bible says he knows how many hairs are on your head. He knows everything about you. And he says, not only am I thinking about you, he says, my thoughts are of peace. Amen? And not of evil. To give you a future and a hope. And another version says, an expected end. Meaning he's already got a plan for us. Amen? He's got a purpose. How many know today we're living in days that are very uncertain? We've got an election coming up that is very uncertain. We've got a lot of craziness going around in our world. We've had this pandemic we're dealing with. And so a lot of these things could cause us to, to, to question and to wonder. But I want you to tell the person next to you, with, with meaning and belief, God is in control. Man, do you believe that? God is in control. I want, I want you to hear that from God. Okay, he is in control no matter what is going on. Now I'm going to read a story here that I really want us to see that's so powerful uh, because it's a story of loss. It's, it's a relation to what's going on right now. We can look at, at this year and people have lost lives, people have lost jobs, people have lost uh, uh, businesses. There's been a lot of loss. But I love what Pastor Jones said at the conference. He said, this is not Satan's victory. And we saw this yesterday with that outreach. This is God's opportunity. It's not Satan's victory, amen? And you're going to see that by the time this message is over. This is not Satan winning. This is God's opportunity to show himself powerful in these times. Just like he did when I mentioned about the finances. There's no, other, there's no way you can argue with that. How do you explain that? You say, God, it's supernatural that we would see miracle finances come in during a time where there shouldn't be. But let's pick up a story in 1 Samuel. That's in the beginning of the Old Testament. Just a few books in 1 Samuel chapter 30. And we're going to pick up a story about David. I'm going to hear David and Goliath. That David. Okay? And this time, a couple weeks ago, I preached a message where David was in the wrong place. Right? And he wasn't at war with his, with his soldiers. And he wasn't where he was supposed to be. But in this story, he was. And it says, It happened when David and his men came to Ziklag on the third day that the Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag, attacked Ziklag, and burned it with fire. And had taken captive the women and those who were there, from small to great, meaning everyone. But they did not kill anyone. But they carried them away and went their way. So David and his men came to the city. And there it was, burned with fire. And their wives and their sons and their daughters, and let's leave this up there for just a second, had been taken captive. How many realize this morning that somebody always has it worse than you do? Somebody always has, you might say, man, come on now, you don't know what I'm going through. I promise you, somebody has it worse than you do. 
And, and I always tell you this, I, I don't want beat to beat a dead horse, but if, you don't, if you're not feeling good about your life, go read Job. Just read the first two or three chapters and then say amen and go, man, my life is great. My life is wonderful. If you have never read Job, you're new here, go read Job. It'll make you feel better about your life. He lost everything. His wife told him, curse God and die. He lost everything. He lost his health. He lost his house. He lost his family. He lost his money. Everything. Now, in this story, David didn't lose his health. Lost everything else, but he loses health. So somebody always has it worse than you. So I want you to think about that as we read this. Go on to the next verse, verse 4. And David and the people that were with him lifted up their voices and wept. Now how many have ever done this? How many have ever been through something so tough that you wept until you had no power, more power to weep? you ever been through something so difficult that you get a headache because you feel like there's no more tear ducts left in there? They, they, how, imagine coming, going home today after church and your house is in, on fire and in ashes. Imagine that your kids are gone. And imagine that there's nothing in your bank account. Just imagine all that loss, the, the weeping, the, and things, things we go through. David's having a bad time. Okay, No more power to weep. Verse 5. And David's two wives, and, and Noah, that might have been one of the problems, by the way, is having two wives. And Noah and the Jezreelites, and Abigail the widow of Nabal the Carmelite, had been taken captive. Great David was greatly distressed. When we read the Bible, it's important to put yourself in that story. It's not just that David was greatly distressed. We're going through things. We have distress. We have problems. We have struggles. And it says, for the people spoke of stoning him. I, that, made me, that makes me think of, of the president we have right now. Somehow it's his fault that the virus came. He, he, is it his fault that, they got, that, they, that their stuff was stolen? They're going to stone him. So not only, ha- not only is he having a bad day, how'd you like to have a bad day and then get blamed for it by everybody? So now they're going to stone him. And it says, because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. Now watch this. Here's the key to the whole message. But David strengthened himself in the Lord. Leave that up there first. But David strengthened himself in the Lord. This is not where you turn to the person next to you. This is where you tell yourself, I'm going to strengthen myself in the Lord today. Amen? I've got a word for me. It's great when somebody comes along and says, come on, we can do this. We talked about that not quitting and encouraging each other. But listen, church, we've got to get to a place where we strengthen ourselves. We've got to get to a place where if everybody else is saying, man, all hell's breaking loose, and this is a horrible time to be alive, you, God's looking for someone to stand up and say, it's a great time to be alive because God is in control of everything right now. He's in control of the pandemic. He's in control of the election. He's in control of our country. He's in control of our finances. He's in control of our health. Amen. He is in control. How many believe that? I hope if you don't believe it, by the time you walk out of here, you believe it. God is in control. But we gotta, he says, I strengthen myself. I strengthen myself in the Lord. Somebody's got to stand up and quit crying. Everybody's weeping. Everybody's crying. They say, what are we going to do? And David said, I've got to do something. Who's going to be the one this morning? He said, I've got to do something. Oh, we need a prayer meeting. Well, why don't you be the one to lead it? Oh, we need to do outreach. Well, why don't you go out and outreach? Oh, we need to do this. We need to do that. You be the one to say, I'm going I'm to step up, and I'm going to be the one to do it. That's what David did. Let's see what happened. Verse, verse uh, 7. Then David said to Abiathar the priest, Amalek's son, 
Please bring me the ephod. That was, a sim- that was symbolic for us today, like, let's go to the prayer closet. Let's go seek the Lord. Let's find out what God has to say. Let's get some godly counsel. And Abiathar brought the ephod to David, and David inquired of the Lord. He says, how many know it's important to inquire of the Lord? He says, God, should I pursue this troop? Watch the word pursue. Should I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered, watch this, pursue. God's looking for some men and women in this place this morning that will pursue God. Okay, pursue him. He wants you to seek after him. He wants you to look for him. He wants you to go after him. He says, he says pursue. Watch this. This is a good word right here. For you shall surely overtake them. You know what God's telling us this morning? I've got everything under control. I'm on the throne. Amen? I am in the business of winning. Amen? He says, pursue for you shall surely overtake them. And love, I love this. Without fail. There's two things God cannot do. He cannot lie, and he cannot fail. Do you understand that? We lie, and we fail. And so we think God lies, and God fails. But God cannot lie, and God cannot fail. And when God says you're surely going to overtake them, when God says you're going to win, when God says my plan's going to happen, guess what? We're going to win. God's plan's going to happen, and we're going to overcome. And he says, without fail, you will recover everything. Everything. How many want to recover some things you've lost? Anybody got here some things you've lost? You've recovered all. Our, 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 our government officials around the world, not just here in the United States, everybody promises, I got this plan and I got, God's got a good recovery plan. And his plan doesn't fail. Amen? Now watch one more verse here in verse 18. Sorry, 19 of 1 Samuel 30. Skipping down a few verses. It says, and, he, and nothing of theirs was lacking. Small or great, sons or daughters, spoil or anything which they had taken from them, David recovered all. Amen? Amen. David got his kids back. He got his two wives back, although he might have just wanted one. I don't know. Amen? I'm just kidding. He got his wives back. He got his stuff back, amen. Are you with me? Come on, wives, don't get mad. If it would have been the story of two husbands, you'd laugh there. Amen. He got it all back, and nothing was lost. They came and stole everything, burned everything down. But here's the thing we've got to understand this morning. Here's the thing in our story today, in 2020, Sunday, two days before the election, with all the stuff we're going through. We see this verse that says, Nothing theirs was lacking, small or great, sons or daughters, spoil or anything which had been taken. And David recovered all. But guess what? When he sat down to pray to God and said, God, what should I do? Verse 19 wasn't written yet. He didn't know what verse 19 was going to, he didn't know he was going to recover everything. He strengthened himself in the Lord when nothing was gone. What am I trying to say by this? Let me ask you a question. Is this virus... Or who gets elected on Tuesday? Or whatever happens in this world going to steal your joy? Think about it. Is what's going on in this world, is your, is your bank account, is your, is your physical feelings, your body, your, is life going to steal your joy? Is it going to rob you of your destiny? Is it going to change your purpose? Is it going to stop you from reaching the lost? Is it going to cause our church to shut down and not go after the lost? 
What have we been doing the last few months? We've been telling the devil, devil, this is not your victory. This is God's opportunity, and we're going to go preach the gospel. We're going to go do outreaches. We're going to win the lost. We're gonna, not ashamed of the gospel. We're going to do what God called us to do. We're pursuing. Pursuing is advancing. There are some times in the Bible, church, where God says, I got this. This is not your battle. This is my battle. The battle is the Lord's, right? Joshua talked. This is my battle. There's times where God says, you just be still, and let me just step in and take care of this for you. But in this story, and in this time, God's looking for some people to stand up. God's looking for a voice of, how about, oh, this world's so negative. Oh, everything's so negative. Oh, man, this and that. Why do we got to wear masks? And why do we got to social distance? And why do we got to have so much hand sanitizer? Has anybody noticed that there's some things that we're doing that are good? I like the distance. I like going to a restaurant and being away from people, two or three tables. I like that they're actually cleaning the tables. I like that people are using hand sanitizer. Amen? We're cleaner than we've ever been. Right? So sometimes those negatives can be positives. But why do I got to wear a mask? Why do I Tell the person next to you, get over yourself. Some of y'all said that more emphatically than you said God is in control. I'm just saying. It was a little louder right there. Let's go back to tell the, other, tell the person God's in control. Okay. Let's make this. That's a little bit better than get over yourself. Some of you were like, Yes! I'm trying to tell you. You know, you know what I'm going to give you? Is just, just let you know something. If you got off social media right now, the earth's axis would still spin. If no one knew what your opinion was about this election, the world would keep going around. Amen? Just, just, just giving you some news just in case you didn't know. Get over yourself. This is not about us. This is not about who's going to win this election. This is, we, we, we can vote, we can do our part and all that, but the bottom line is whoever wins on Tuesday, on Tuesday night or wins and whenever they come out with a vote, God is still going to be sitting on his throne and God is still going to be in charge and God is still going to be God regardless of who wins the election. We know you don't have to be too smart to know. I've been telling you this is a thing of light and darkness. This is one of the most important elections we've ever had. This is a crazy time. Truth is, God is still in control. Nothing that happens on this earth is going to change who God is. Is the election, is the virus, is the finances, is all these things going to, is it going to change the gifts of the Holy Spirit from flowing through your life? I don't know. That's, our, that's what we answer. Is it going to stop us from loving Jesus? Does having that mask on keep you from worshiping? Does having that mask on keep you from lifting your hands? Right? We, 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 we can say, I'm not going to let these things, these social, all these little things that we have to do to try to stay safe, I'm not going to let them change my life. Now tell the person next to you, we need to get our lives back. Can somebody give me a big amen on that one? I'm not saying we're just be rebellious and we're not going we to. Do, we're doing what they're asking us to do. We're wearing our masks, we're sanitizing, we're spraying, we're doing all those things. But we need to get our lives back. We can't let this virus take our lives. We're not going to not go to the park and outreach because, because there's a virus going on. We have to keep doing what God's called us to do. And he's looking for some people to stand up. Listen to this. Anything under God's control is never out of control. If God's in control... It's in control. But how many know he, he works different than we do?
Has anybody come to understand that? Let me give you some real good nuggets right now out of Isaiah. God does not work like we work. Okay? Isaiah chapter 55. Look at this. Verses 8 to 11. My thoughts are not your thoughts. That means God doesn't think like we think. So we think we have it all figured out, and God's like, you thinking like you, I'm God. And, and right while this is up, I want you to think about something. You know, God, if you go back and read Job, and I like to use this a lot because I like to remind myself, who am I to argue with God? Who am I to question God? Who am I to wonder? Is God in control? Because I'm going to know it can get bad, but it does not change who God is. It has not affected his throne at all. But we're too busy down here living in this world. And God wants us to get, get a little bit more spiritually minded. He wants us to be able to rise above the physical things that are around us and see his ways. Like that, like going back to the offering. This is, he, he's saying, listen, you can, you can look at the pandemic and you can look at people losing jobs and you can look at blah, 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 and you can just hold back and not give to missions this year. You can do that. That's your way. You can hold back and save because rainy day, well, things are bad, so we need to put some more money. You can do that. God says you can do that. That's your way. But he says, my way is give regardless. Give to missions. Send money overseas. Give, mo give money to Mexico. Give, 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 give. He goes, and then watch what I can do when you do it my way. Amen? My thoughts are not your thoughts. Your way, and so he tells Job in around the 30th, 31st, 32nd chapter of Job, he says, who? So Job's like, question, 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 for like 30 chapters. And God finally says, enough is enough. Dude, where were you when I threw the stars in the sky? Were you there? He's like, were you there? Did you, do you know how I set the boundaries in the ocean so the water would not go past a certain area? Can you explain how I send the thunder and the lightning down? And can you explain how, many know this is my question, how in the world all that water can be in something that's nothing? Does anybody ever think about that besides me? You explain it to me all day long. Have you ever seen a cloud? Have you ever walked through a cloud? Have you ever been in the mountains high enough to walk through a cloud? I have. It's, there's nothing there. How in the world does that thing hold all that water? So that when you try to understand that, that's God saying, my ways are bigger than your ways. My thoughts are bigger than your thoughts. Now watch what it says. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. If you want to think like a human being, if you want to think your way, then you're going to get what you can get. But if you want to think supernaturally, and you want to think up there, and you want to pursue God, and you want to think spiritually, then you're going to get something supernatural. Amen. God is looking for some people who understand He's not a man that can lie. He's not a man that can fail. He is God Almighty, and He is on the throne, and He is in control. He's in control. He's in control. 
When you get to this place, this is a good place in God. You say, okay, my thoughts are not yours. Then watch, for the, as the rain comes down and snow from heaven and doesn't return there, but waters the earth and makes it bring forth in bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. Watch what this says. Verse 11. So shall be my word. Remember last week we talked about we're not being ashamed of his word. He says, so shall be my word that goes from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but watch this. It will accomplish what I please. You know when your life's going to change? When you start trying to please God and not man. When you start trying to please God and not yourself. When your life revolves around God and not God revolves around your life, you're going to see a change in your life. Amen. You're going to see a change. When you start saying, my schedule and my things and my plans, I revolve my schedule and my things and my plans around God. Not the other way around. Because how many know that you're not going to be able to fit God into your plans? He wants you to fit your plans into his. And that's when you begin to see a change. He says, and it shall prosper. You want to prosper? I mean, I don't think that's a, it's not a trick question. I don't think anybody in their right mind would say, no, nah, I don't want to prosper. I like being defeated. I want to prosper. Amen. I like losing. I like pain. I like sickness. I like lack. Some people get used to it. Like, hey, it's kind of comfortable. I'm used to losing, lose to, lose to lacking. That's not God's plan. He says, prosper you in the thing for which I sent it. So could it be possible, watch this, that God could use situations that are ugly and bad and all that to bring glory to his name and be fixing something while it seems broke? Watch this. When everything seems like it's falling apart, that's when God starts putting things together. Amen? When everything seems like it's falling apart, that's when God starts putting things together. Listen to this. Just the way He wants it. You want, you want your life the way you want it, or you want your life the way God wants it? When you get your life lined up with the way God wants it, ooh, you start walking in God's prosperity. You start walking in God's peace. You start walking in God's joy. Stay with me here. You start walking in God's provision. And you get to a place where now my circumstances, my health, this world, the election, a virus, anything that's going on does not affect me because I know that my ways are God's ways and God's ways are higher than man's ways. And if man's ways are less than God's ways and I'm on God's side, I cannot lose. No matter who loses this election, Jesus already won it. Even though there's more people on this side, let me give you all a better chance. Even though, no matter who loses or wins this election, Jesus already won the election. Because we serve Jesus. Amen. He is in control. And, and I'm going to tell you something. By decision, we're going to see a revival no matter who wins. We know what, what's at stake. We know the things that are there. We know what, what, what uh, it, need, it, has, it stood for. I've been preaching on that. I mentioned last week very strongly sexual orientation all that. But the bottom line is no matter who wins, God's going to win. 
and, and, and whether it's high or low, right or left, in or out, God's gonna, we're going to see a revival because God's in control. Amen. Let me give you just a couple verses to close. How many are still here? Amen. Tell somebody, get it over yourself. See, now you're getting in the spirit because you didn't say that so emphatically like you did before when you were in the flesh. The Bible says carnality is enmity with God. So we're carnal people. We have, to, we have to be in the spirit. How many know it's easy to be in the flesh? God wants us to walk in the spirit so we won't fulfill the lusts of the flesh. So you might say, okay, I'm with you, pastor. God can't fail. God's in control. But here's the thing. I tell you, if you'll do your part, God will do his part. Okay? Amen. Joe testified about that on, on Wednesday. You realize, man, I, I got to start doing my part. God will do his. What's my part? Okay, if that's the case, what's my part? What do I need to do? Besides pursuing and trusting, that's a very big thing. You need to get to a place where you trust God. Trust Him. doesn't matter the pandemic. All this stuff is like, God, I don't understand it, but I trust you. Quoting Job again, Job said, Though you slay me, I will trust you. God wants you to get to that place where you trust Him. And you just say, I don't understand, but I trust. And watch this. What, what's, beside, what's our part besides that? Let's look at Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 13. This is coming from the smartest, dumbest man to ever walk the face of the earth. Smartest, wisest, dumbest man. Why do I say that? Because he, he ended dumb. He wrote all these proverbs and had all the wisdom in the world and God blessed him and at the end he didn't end with God. But there's no biblical proof that Solomon was right with God at the end of his life. So I said the smartest, dumbest person. How can you be both? But he was. But here's the smart one. The smart side, all the things he wrote were smart. And he says, let me sum up to you how to have God on your side. Because as I begin to, clo begin to close church, if you've ever wanted to be on God's side, it's now. We should always want to be on God's side. But I'm telling you that we're coming to a time in our lifetime and in prophetic, biblical times where we're coming to the place where God's going to begin to judge this world. You better want to be on God's good side. I'm telling you. Don't, care what, don't worry about what a, a looter or a rioter or whatever can do to you. You better worry about what God can do. Okay? And we want to be on His side. And so... He, said, he goes, Here, let's, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter, what, the whole life. He says, what, how, what's your part? Fear God and keep his commandments. How many are glad I didn't just tell you ten things? All right, that long list. He says, fear God, a reverent fear, and keep his commandments, for this is man's all. If I want God to do his part and be totally in control of my life, what do I need to do? Keep his commandments. And fear him. Revere him. And say, God, whatever your word says, that's what I'm going to do. Amen? John 14 says this, if you love me, keep my commandments. Amen? As the musicians begin to come, I want to close. He says, if you love me, keep my commandments. That's all he's asking for. How many parents do I have in here? Let me see parents, whether they're young or older kids. You have kids in here. You're a parent. The only thing, kids, listen to this, the only thing your parents want is for you to respect them and obey them. Period. That's all they want. 
And the Bible says that we're made in God's image. God, as our Father, all He wants from us is reverence, fear, reverence, respect, and to obey what He says. Don't just parents just say, just do what I just do what I ask you to do. And a good parent, a real parent, will do anything for their kids when they're in good standing. Amen. As my daughter comes, I'm going to put her on blast this morning. She's going to get married this week on Thursday. Amen. And I, listen, her and I, I, I didn't do this on purpose, but I didn't want it to feel like Destiny wasn't a perfect child too. Listen, my daughters were amazing daughters. And, but, I'm, but this is my older daughter. And I can tell you this, as a father, this, this very established young lady behind me that used to be a little girl has never given me a hard day in my life. Not too many people can say that. I'm not talking about that she didn't get a spanking for an attitude. I'm talking about a day where, like, I wish she wasn't born. Right? Some parents, you know, they're like, I wish they weren't born. I've never thought that. She's just given me no troubles. She's been a, and so, well, the reason I'm putting her on blast is, as a father, and especially on the mission field, we would, you know, going out to eat was a big thing. Just to get away from everything, go to an American restaurant where you felt like you were home. If you've never been away in another country, it's like you want that home cooking. So we'd go to like Denny's, or T and yeah, Denny's was good over there, believe it or not. TGI Fridays. And so every time we go to a restaurant, look over at the girls, what do you want? You could be sure, without a doubt, that when Kristen said what she wanted, it was going to be the most expensive thing on the menu. Never failed. It just, you just, what do you want, honey? Oh, of course. $15.99. And she didn't do it because she was looking at the price. It's just, she got fine taste. <laughs> And so, but as, well, here's what I'm getting at. As a father who loved my daughter, who obeyed my commands, even if I didn't have the money, I couldn't tell her, no, you can't have that because she was so good. Does that make sense? I wanted to give her anything I could give her. That's the way God is with us. If we're obeying his commands and fearing him, he wants to give us everything we ask for because he's a good father. Amen? And so we were talking about that on, on Friday at, after discipleship. A few of us went to breakfast and and, and Dylan was joking about it, and, and I said, well, now she's yours. <laughs> Have fun <laughs> taking care of that, because just the other day we went and ate, and sure enough, it was the most expensive thing on the menu. But I would do anything for her. God would do anything for you. Now, he doesn't love you less because you fail, but when you're in good standing, when you do what he said, if you love me, Keep my commandments. Listen, let's be real. Don't sit here and tell me you love me, daughter, if you ain't listening to me. Because you don't really love me. It's words. Right? God's saying, don't sit here in this church and tell me you love me and be living in fornication. Don't sit here in this church and tell me you love me and be living an adulterous lifestyle, watching pornography, having a secret sin, hating on somebody, not forgiving somebody. Go down the list. You can't tell. God's like, I'm not hearing that. Because if you truly love me, 
you'll keep my commandments. Okay? Now, we know we're not perfect, but we're striving for perfection. We're reaching. We're pers- that's what pursuing means. We're chasing after His holiness, His righteousness, His goodness. And the last verse is 2 Timothy 2.22. He says, flee from your youthful lusts and pursue. There's that word again. How many times have we seen that this morning? Pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace with those who call on the Lord. Now here's the key, out of a pure heart. God, I know I've made a mistake, but I'm sorry. Out of a pure heart. Not God, I know I've made a mistake, and I'm sorry, but I'm going to do this again next week. Right? How many are with me? So you, at the end of the day, today, you can have a perfect peace that God is in control because, God, I am obeying your commands. God, I am trusting that your ways are higher than my ways. If you're, if you're honest in this place this morning, you might be scared of this election. You might be scared of what's going to happen after the election. You might be scared of all these different things. Or is the virus going to get worse? Or all these di- Church, we cannot let fear live, run, ruin our lives. The Bible tells me, he didn't say if you have a virus or if you have a weird election, or if you have problems in your politics, or if you, he says, the, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of sound mind. Amen. Let's give the Lord a big praise this morning. Hallelujah. Amen. Those that are watching online, those that are here, let's bow our heads for just a moment as we begin to close. Father, thank you for your word. I feel your presence in this place. I feel your spirit. I feel your power and your anointing. I feel your love. How, how can you love me, God, as much as I love my daughters and my wife? How? But you do. And that love that I have for my daughters, that, that joy that I have as they serve God, I pray, Lord, that you have that joy as you look down on me this morning. Lord, that as, as, as we're in the midst of this craziness, you can look down on me and find faith. You know, he said, at the end of the, as he said at the end of days, will I find faith on the earth? How many in this place are going to say, God, I'm going to be that one. I'm going to be that many. I'm going to be that person that's going to have faith right now. When it seems ugly, when it seems scary, I'm just going to tell you, God, you're in control. No matter what things look like, you're in control. That's faith. That's faith. Maybe you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ personally. You've heard about Him. You believe maybe even in Him, but you've never said, Jesus, I want to give my life to You. You know, we know we have a president. We know of actors and famous people and athletes, and we know their names because of they're on TV and all that. But that's not the same as having their phone number. That's not the same as being able to call somebody right now that's famous, that has power, and say, hey, how you doing? You can do that with God. How amazing is that? You can call on God. You can say, God, I want to have a relationship with you. And God wants to have a relationship with you more than you want to have with him. Well, pastor, you don't know how bad I've been. Or... I'm a good person. I don't need anything else. They're both wrong. No one's going to get into heaven on their merit. And no one's going to be left out of heaven because they've made too many mistakes. 
What gets us to heaven is faith in what Jesus did on the cross for our sins. That's it. No works, just grace. There's mercy. How many in this place this morning, before we move in to a different direction and close, could be honest with God? How many all over this place could say, Pastor, I don't know Jesus. Would you just lift up your hand and put it back down? God bless you, sir. I see your hand. I see your hand. God bless you. How many more? I don't know him. But today I feel his presence. I know he's real. I want to accept him today. I want my life to change today. Just put it up and put it down all over this place. Maybe you're here and at some point in your life you've believed in God. You know he's real, but today, today, 2020, November 1st, your heart's not right with God. If you died today, you would not stand before God as Savior. You'd stand before God as judge. The Bible says it's a scary thing to fall into the hands of a living God. How many more? Maybe you're watching online. You're sitting there on your phone. You're at work. You're on your couch. Maybe you're watching this two weeks from now, after the elections are over. You don't know Jesus. Today you can know him. We're going to say a prayer in just a moment, and everybody's going to say it, and you can give your life to Jesus today. And today, your, day, your life can change forever. The God who flung the stars in the earth, in the sky, and, and, and divided the water from the earth knows your name and has good thoughts towards you. Thoughts of peace. Unexpected in a future hope. God loves you. He's thinking about you right now. Right before we move on, how many more could say, that's me, I need to come back to the Lord, or I need to give my life to Jesus today? Put your hand up and put it down. How many? All over. Amen. God bless you. Let's stand this morning in reverence to God. God is moving. God is touching hearts. If you raised your hand, you said, that's me, I'm going to ask you to do one more thing. I want to ask you to make a bold statement to the devil that you believe in him. If you raised your hand, I want you to step out of your seat to the nearest aisle and just come down to this altar. We're going to pray for you. Just step out. Just as fast as that hand shot up, just come on out. Amen. God bless you, sir. Come on. Amen. Come on, young lady. Amen. Praise God. Come on, just come right down here and face me. We're going to pray with you. Amen. Praise God. God bless you, sir. Nice to meet you. Come on, let's give them a bigger hand than that, church. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Beautiful family. I think you guys were at the park yesterday, right? Amen. So awesome you came in. If we went and did that outreach at the park just for you guys, it was worth it. Just for you. Amen. God loves you guys so much. Me and my wife were talking about you guys, you and Elena and, and uh, who was the other one? Joanna, know everybody. <laughs> you guys knew everybody at the park. But that's how it works. One knows another and another, one by one, remember? One by one. We're going to say a prayer with you guys. And, and I, one thing I admire about you is you're smart. You're really smart. You know why? Because I said, if you don't know Jesus, put your hand up and you went. Sometimes you have to, like, beg people to raise their hands. You knew today's your day. That's smart. Heaven's better than hell. Amen? God is better than Satan. And because you raised it first, your daughter raised hers. She came behind you, and God's going to do something in your family today. So as we say a prayer, 
that's just, bi- just straight Bible. You're just basically saying, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. And, and all, every single one of us are sinners in here. And that's why we said how many all over this place, because it's not just one person that came in that needs Jesus. We all need Jesus. The only difference between you and us today is that we've made that decision already, and we're, now we're starting a walk with God. So we're going to pray. And, and, and the Bible says, this is what the Bible says, and maybe you're watching online, you need to hear this too, that when we pray, every sin you've ever committed in your life is going to be forgiven. Everything. Like blank paper. Right? This is, this is what your life looks like first. All the sins, and then you accept Jesus, and then it's blank the Bible says he wipes away your sin. He cleanses you from all your unrighteousness because he took your place on the cross. And I know you believe that. And so today's going to be the beginning of a new day. We're going to all say this together. Lord Jesus, thank you for your mercy. Thank you for loving me while I was a sinner and dying on the cross for my sins. Jesus, I confess with my mouth And believe in my heart that you died for my sins, that you went into the grave, and then you resurrected from the dead and defeated death so I could defeat death, so I could live forever. Jesus, please have mercy on me. Forgive me for all my sins and wash me clean with the blood of Jesus. Make me righteous today as I put my faith in you. Please write my name in the Lamb's book of life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's give the the Lord and these people a big clap of thanksgiving. Amen. Praise God. If you said that online, God bless you.